Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. All right, let me just ask you this. Who needs Jesus? Who needs Jesus? Okay, so there are a couple of ways to answer that question. Obviously, everyone needs Jesus. Um, But who needs Jesus right now? Who are the names, the faces, um, the people who come to mind right now? And did you lead your own list? Did you lead your own list of the people who need Jesus? I recognize that every single waking moment, I need Jesus. I mean, I need Jesus in every uh, resting moment as well. Um, But I feel like when my conscious mind is engaged, um, I am at greater risk of departing from him than than in my unconscious state because I, you know, I give myself to him before I go to sleep and I trust that he is going to be in there working by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing every unconscious thought into conformity with himself. And so... Um, by the way, you will have fewer nightmares and you will dream more if you give yourself to Jesus mindfully, consciously, just before you go to sleep. So who needs Jesus? And and it's not just the everybody needs Jesus. It's the every single individual needs Jesus. And so do I lead my own list of those who need Jesus? And am I consciously in every waking moment as often as possible, every time, um, you know, the Lord brings it to mind, Am I giving myself in joyful submission to the work of the Holy Spirit within me, bringing me into greater conformity with who Christ is? Am I doing that? I need Jesus. I don't need Jesus just, you know, once upon a time on a hill far away called Calvary. I mean, yes, I need Jesus in that way, but I need Jesus right now. I need Jesus. I have a criminal mind. I need Jesus right now. The Holy Spirit is, um, has a big job with me. Uh, I'm wondering how big the Holy Spirit's job is with you, and if you are inviting the Holy Spirit's active work right now. So uh, in in Mark chapter 2, there is this uh, conversation about who needs Jesus. So when Jesus heard it, he said to them, hey, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. Now, uh, if you're standing there and you think you're righteous, then you're thinking to yourself, yeah, well, I don't need Jesus. I'm, I'm already righteous. I'm all, I'm, I am, in fact, self-righteous. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Hello, wake up call. Um, but if you're standing there or sitting there and you're hurting and you know you're broken and you know you are living um, a life that is not reconciled to God and, and you desire to be healed, in body, mind, soul, spirit, relationship, and, and eternally, then you know you need Jesus. You know your need, and you're grateful that the physician, the great physician, has arrived. So those sinners, when we think those sinners are someone else, <clears throat> it's not me, right? Well, then we're actually the ones standing there as the blind guides, as the self-righteous Pharisees, 
um, with a deep, deep problem because we can't even admit that we're so sin sick that we need the great physician. So the irony of the healing that Jesus offered is that those who should have recognized him for who he was, the quote-unquote religious people of the day, were so convinced of their own self-righteousness that they failed to see how sin-sick they were. They were in such deep denial about their own soul state that they didn't see their need for Jesus. And so today, I just want to invite you to not only lift up the soul-sick around the world that the great physician would come with a healing balm but that you and I would lead our own list of people who we recognize need Jesus. So who needs Jesus today? Well, let's start with the man or the woman in the mirror. And then, yes, let's pray for others that they too will recognize their own need and turn to him as well. Jesus is the great physician, and he comes to heal. I have uh, a physician in the image of Christ seeking to serve him. Up next, that's Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We'll be right back. All right, joining me now, Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find them at cmda.org. Dr. Stevens, welcome back. It's good to be with you, Carmen. It's wonderful to be with you. Um, So let's talk about antibody testing. Let's just start with what do we need to know? Let me just ask an open-ended question. What do we need to know? Well, antibody testing is not as simple as it makes it sound when sometimes you hear it on the news. Um, You know, when you get an infection, there's essentially a response from your immune system. It happens with kind of your cell-mediated immunity. The the cells in your body start uh, jumping in, and then antibodies are mating. These are kind of little lock and key things that grab uh, the virus or the bacteria and try to destroy it. There's two types of those. One's called IgM, and that comes very quickly. Uh, And then the IgG is two or three weeks later, and that lasts for a much longer period of time. Well, they're trying to create these antibody tests uh, to test these and really test for both of them. And every antibody test is not the same. There's some that are very rapid, and they're color-coded, and you just, you know, like uh, a pregnancy test. That's actually an antibody test in the urine changes color, you know you're pregnant. Uh, Those come very quickly, but they're difficult to standardize. They're difficult to make them uh, specific to the situation in a specific community. And then there are other ones called lateral flow immune assays. That's a big word, but essentially they have to be done in a lab. They're called an ELISA test, but they can be much more specific. They can be customized to even the community to make sure they're catching all the cases and having few false positives. Now, why is that important? Let me give you an example. Let's say you had an antibody test that's 98% uh, specific. In other words, 98 out of 100 times, it uh, it gets uh, the case. But 2% of the times, it gives you a false positive. It tells you that somebody has antibodies, but they don't. But if you have a very low incidence of disease, let's say only one out of 100 people have the disease, well, that means for every person that you find that has a disease, you identify someone you think has the disease that doesn't. 
half the time it's not right. So that's what's so important is we get these antibody tests to make sure that they're very specific and that they have very few false positives. Specific, they catch all the cases that are really there and they don't catch cases that are not there. And so that's why you see 70 companies trying to develop these things and uh, our um, uh, government trying to make sure that these things are not going to cause more of a problem uh, than they solve. So that's a lot to understand, but it's important to know that you need to be careful. And the reason this is taking some time is to make sure that we don't end up creating a mess with the actual antibody tests that we're creating. Okay, so I um, I live in one of those places in the country where you can literally go to your um, your county health uh, department and you can get a test. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't gone to do that because I don't see any reason to. I have had no uh, no symptoms. I've you know we're we're pretty much self isolating. I mean we're only going out when we have to to do the things that that must be done, and we're wearing masks and gloves when we do so, and we're washing our hands like we're you know so. Um, so let me ask that question. As testing becomes more and more widely available, at what point should an individual go be tested um, if it's available in their community, widely available? And then um, and then I have this other question, which is that over half of the counties in the United States haven't had any confirmed COVID cases. Um, so can we talk a little bit about, you know, sort of those two realities? Some of us live in particularly rural communities. Yeah. Well, the people that are first on the list to get antibody testing are healthcare workers who've been exposed or could be exposed or could be exposing others, uh, police, uh, people in essential services. Uh, this has a great impact, depending on how the governments do, on who's going back to work, who shouldn't be there, how do we protect the elderly. And so this is going to be rolled out and become more and more available. You've done the right thing, and I haven't done the right thing as well. I haven't run to get an antibody test because because our family's been very careful. I wear a mask and gloves and all the rest of it when I have to go to the store. But at the same time, at some point, it's going to be important to know that. What may happen, though, and this would be better, is that before we have to start getting antibody tests, we get a vaccine and everybody Mm -hmm. is going to have, or most people are going to have immunity. And the vaccine progression is going even faster than than originally estimated, and they're throwing huge amounts of effort and getting different groups working together, trying to get a vaccine test before the end of the year. So that's the answer for this issue, not antibody testing. But it is important for certain people, and it may become required for almost everyone or highly recommended for almost everyone. So we're just going to have to stand by and see. The point you make, Carmen, on very few uh, places having this, I mean, it's enormous how many, you know, most of this is in 10 states. When you look at counties, uh, it's even more dramatic. Uh, only 30 counties in the country have the vast majority. Over 50% of the cases are concentrated in 30 counties, and they're mainly in that northeast corridor from New York down to Philadelphia where all the trains ran. And so there's a lot of places where the exposure is is quite low and brings up the issue, and I, I think an important one, do we treat everybody the same? Do we say, well, we just open every county, open the whole state or or don't open the whole state? Uh, Maybe we should be treating different counties differently and dealing with their specific needs versus, uh, you know, treating everybody the same, which paralyzes a lot of our economy versus uh, just paralyzing parts of it. 
All right, Dr. Stevens, um, I have so many questions. Um, How about we take a very brief break? When we come back, I'd like to talk about doctors and nurses experiencing, you know, just a real mental health strain in the midst of all of this. We want to make sure they get the resources that they need. Dr. David Stevens is with the Christian Medical and Dental Association. You can find those resources at cmda.org. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. Um, Dr. Stevens, talk with us about um, the the depth and level, the extent of the stress, the mental health stress and strain that doctors and nurses and others on the front line of this pandemic, I guess I'm thinking here of ambulance workers and, uh, and others as well, um, just talk with us about what they're experiencing and then and then let's be sure we talk about some resources available. Yeah. It's it's tough and it's been tougher because uh we don't deal with this type of thing in the US. I mean, we see deaths from heart attacks and cancer and the usual things, but we don't see a lot of people dying of overwhelming infections so quickly and in such numbers and this has been very difficult. There's been suicides among healthcare professionals that uh, in despair have taken their own lives. Uh, Others are in depression. Some get uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, just like uh, those in the military do. And a lot of concern about this. It's interesting. I've been focused on this with new medical missionaries because they see so much more death overseas that they could even uh, take care of and save those lives if they were in a more developed area. And that's difficult. We've trained over 500 new medical missionaries and we spend time telling them and teaching them how to deal with death. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, some of the challenges I had as uh, I remember the husband of the matron of our hospital, the head nurse, uh, became ill one morning and rapidly progressed and died in my arms at three or four in the afternoon with everything possible we could do. And, you know, as somebody I knew and worked with, and you wonder what could I have done if I'd had the right resources. So how do you, how do you go about this? First of all, you patient loss should hurt. If it doesn't, you need to be you need to be careful as a, as a healthcare professional because you've become hardened. You can care too much and you can care too little. In fact, uh, William Mosler, who found John Hopkins University, talked about this, that you had to have some imperturbability, the coolness, presence of mind under all circumstances, calmness amidst the storm, clearness of judgment in moments of uh, grave peril. Uh, and that's important for a healthcare professional. At the same time, you are a human being as well. So how do you, how do you deal with this? It can require healing, and part of that is having some time to mourn. That's one of the problems in this thing. When you have so many cases coming at you so quickly, uh, it's very difficult, as it talks about in Ecclesiastes 3-4, to find uh, time to mourn. And that uh, that you can't bottle up your emotions. You have to share it with others. You have to have someone you can confide in. Uh, you've got to minister to the loved ones. That's been one of the hardest things with this. My son-in-law heads a coronavirus unit in one of the hospitals in the South. And he said, families are desperate to go see their loved one before they die and they can't do it. He said, that's been one of the hardest things for me to deal with because I, I can't get them involved in the mourning process and saying their goodbyes because of the danger of them getting the disease. 
And so processing this yourself and having an outlet, I think one of the most helpful things is just getting into God's Word and realize you have to claim His promise. My grace is sufficient for you. Uh, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, over in Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged. I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will call. I will hold you up with my victorious right hands. And I, I tell Christian healthcare professionals to go back and remember your call. This isn't a job. God called you into this profession, and you're his ambassador, and he's putting you in place where you can have incredible ministry. And yes, there's sadness, and there's mourning, and there's difficulty as you deal with this, but Christ is there with you, and uh, he's there to help you, and he can work through you and, uh, and realize that you're standing there at the crossroads between life and death with not only patients, but with their families and loved ones that are going through this time of mourning. And that's what Christ did. He mourned with those that mourned. He, he spent time with them. We think of Lazarus and what happened there. He dealt with the people that were, were suffering as well as raising Lazarus from the dead. And so there's a process that you have to get into, but one of the greatest time for ministry is when things are the most difficult, and that's when we find God's grace sufficient. I'm talking with Dr. David Stevens from the Christian Medical and Dental Association. We want uh, you, if you're a healthcare professional um, and others as well, to check out cmda.org. Dr. Stevens, one of the things that um, that you guys do at CMDA is help all of us think through really complex issues. And sometimes those issues don't at first appear to be um, medical, right, or dental. Um, and so I'm, I'd like to just direct our attention for a moment to the CMDA statement on pornography. We have talked some here um, about the rise in uh, in the use, the accessing of pornography during this pandemic, as more and more people are, um, frankly, on the Internet more and more and more. Talk with us about pornography and why the word harm and harmful appears so often in this statement. Yeah, well, it's very common, as you say, 92 million daily visits to the most uh, used pornographic website. It's number eight of all websites in the world, greater than Wikipedia, Amazon, Netflix. It's a huge issue, and it's affecting Christians as well, including pastors. Uh, the Bible talks very clearly about this, that, uh, you know, it's we're to be, remain sexually pure, we reserve uh, sexuality for uh, marriage relationships, and uh, that lust is sinful and, and all those type of issues. And the human cost is huge for the individual user. Uh, if you go and look at our um, uh, statement on this, there are over 10 things, and all this is uh, very well referenced. Um, but it, it trains that sexual gratification is obtained from images and objects, and it, there's try to be a more, it's not morally neutral, and just all these issues. But then you go on to how harmful this is to marriages and to relationships and creates uh, undue expectations, uh, how harmful it is for children, uh, harmful those used that are creating this pornography, their nameless instruments, it, it uh, unsafe sexual practices, uh, done this for profit and, you know, trafficking women and children. Uh, the list just goes on and on. But the most important thing, and I, I know people that are listening to this have loved ones or even them themselves who've dabbled or even are addicted to pornography. 
uh, this statement uh, that you can find at cmda.org really gets into uh, how to deal with this yourself, how to help others deal with it, and to realize that as this is addiction, it, it takes intervention, it takes repentance, it takes accountability to deal with because it's extremely powerful and actually changes the chemical balance in your brains that people that are addicted to this, just like they are when they're addicted to other things as well. So it's not, uh, it's not just a harmless pursuit. It's something that can destroy individuals. It can destroy marriages. And uh, I've seen it happen with people that I knew, including uh, uh, people I knew very well that uh, this just destroyed them. So if you're dealing with this, this is something you need to address and you need to find some help. Find a counselor, confide in someone, get the help you need. Um, can we just, I, I know we're out of time, but can, can you just tell us, what am I looking for if I'm looking for a counselor in the, for this specific concern? Like what, how am I looking, how am I finding that person? Well, a Christian psychologist, your physician, your local okay. physician, they're they're dealing with this as well uh, in, in their practices and in your pastor, uh, someone in your church that can give you counseling. Uh, but you need to confide in someone because we know without accountability, it's almost impossible uh, to get out of this without outside intervention, especially those that are really addicted. Yeah. All right. Uh... Dr. Stevens, thank you so much for all you do every day. We're going to send people to cmda.org. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, so many things that that we're dealing with today, and I just recognize that. And so um, where we finished that conversation with Dr. Stevens and then the conversation that John Stonestraint just elevated there on Breakpoint um, men are dealing with a lot today. I mean, you're always dealing with a lot. We recognize that. Um, but we often address concerns that are related to moms and women. And sometimes we, we fail to sort of settle in on conversations related to men. And so Gather Ministries is focused specifically on uh, the concerns related to men. They are, the, uh, they are behind the wire devotional for men. And the guy who heads up Gather Ministries and the creator of Wire Devotionals has a new book out. It's called Odyssey. It is just released. It's the Encounter the God of Heaven and Escape the Surly Bonds of This World. The author is Justin Camp, and he will be here in just a moment. The Bible says vengeance is God's. He will repay. What a great reminder. This is Max Locator. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It just entrusts it to God. We tend to give too much or too little, but the God of justice has the precise prescription. God can discipline your abusive boss. He can soften your angry parent. He can bring your ex to his knees or her senses. Forgiveness doesn't diminish justice. It just entrusts it to God. Unlike us, God never gives up on a person, never. Long after we've moved on, God is still there probing the conscience stirring conviction, always orchestrating redemption. Fix your enemies, that's God's job. When it comes to forgiveness, all of us are beginners. No one owns a secret formula. Remember this, as long as you're trying to forgive, you are forgiving. Just stay the course and you'll find a way to be strong even when you've been hurt. You'll get through this. This is Max Locato.
Joining me now, Justin Camp. Justin's the co-founder of Gather Ministries. He's also the creator of Wire Devotionals for Men. His new book is Odyssey, Encounter the God of Heaven and Escape the Surly Bonds of This World. Justin, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, the language of a spiritual field guide um, has been used to describe this book. Um, I think that when we when we think about the the desire of the heart of most young boys and certainly the men we know in our lives, there's an adventurer in there, and he is often um, confined and restricted and set on a path that is that does not seem like the heavens are opened, and he gets to explore. Um, the wild west of our day or the far reaches. So talk with us, first of all, just about the needs of the heart of a man um, in terms of spiritual things, and then we'll get into the book. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's really true. So um, I, I think that culture um, has sort of, you know, put, put men into a box and um, made a lot of promises about what, uh, what the lives are that we should lead as men. And they often involve achievement and finance and position, and um, uh, they they don't uh, like you say they don't engage the you know the the heart of a man the adventurous heart of a man, um, and and honestly you know I, I don't think the uh, the church has done a, a fantastic job of of engaging that heart as well. Now some of this is obviously figurative, um, you know uh, men need to go out and climb mountains and, and and adventure, but we need to trust God as well, and that's 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 actually the bigger adventure, and so. Um, this this book is about is meant to do that is meant to sort of say hey look you can engage in 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 in, uh, in great adventures perhaps some of the greatest of all adventures um, and you can do it while you're still living your your busy modern life with work and with family obligations and and that kind of thing. All right, Justin. So um, to to satisfy uh, those who are now rolling their eyes because they think I'm just talking to, you know, a guy who's never, um, never risen to the challenge of all of those, uh, of all of those worldly callings. Um, Let me just go ahead and tell people that uh, prior to doing what Justin is doing now, he was a venture capitalist, capitalist in Silicon Valley. He was a lawyer on Wall Street. Um, so uh, for those of you who are tempted to think, you know, he's just a book writing slouch, uh, that is not true. Like, I think that sometimes we I mean, uh, that is probably not how you've ever been referred to in an interview before. But um, uh, I do think, Justin, that we imagine that people do not take the kind of departure from worldly success and the worldly worldly ways. Um, we do not think that a lot of them take an intentional departure to pursue God and in that find the real adventure. But that's basically what you've done. Yeah, um, so absolutely true. Um, You know, over the past uh, few hundred years, we as humans have decided that that what is real and what is right is governed by what we can see and touch and hear. And um, we live in a golden age. The reason for that is that we live in a golden age. We live in a golden age of technology and science, and it's the nature of any golden age to focus on one aspect of reality. And so we've really disconnected ourselves from the supernatural in many ways. We've sort of, you know, the skills that it takes to access the supernatural, not even the skills, just the habits it takes to access the supernatural have sort of atrophied in, in most human beings. And so we have sort of 
opted out of one half of reality. You know, we are both spiritual and physical human beings. When God created us, he, you know, took dirt from the ground and breathed his life into it. And only when those two things came together were we uh, human beings. And so we have a spiritual side and we have a physical side. And we just have, even even the men of the church, um, you know, women of the church, we have, we have, um, we have an intense bias towards um, towards the physical realities of our world, e- email inboxes overflowing and, and you know, phones buzzing with, with uh, phone calls and texts and notifications. And, um, and so what I'm trying to do here with this book is, uh, you know, help men in a very practical way. You mentioned field guide. You know, the, the, that language is very intentional because it's, it's meant to be very practical, um, leading men into um, into a journey. And like I said, it can be a figurative or a literal journey or a combination of the two, but pulling men out of that bias and actually asking the question, is there something more going on here? And, um, it's not difficult. God hasn't made it difficult for us. It's not very difficult to lead men into encounters with, with God, whether it comes through scripture or it comes through silence or it comes through prayer or it comes through worship or community or service or any of the many ways that God, uh, makes himself accessible to us. But, um, the idea is to help men, like you said, engage the adventurous heart of a man and get him into a position where it's just him and just God. No intermediaries, no interruptions, and something amazing happens. Men's hearts come alive in a way that they haven't otherwise. And that was certainly my story, which obviously is the basis of of, of the stuff that I write. It first comes from my experiences and my story. And so the idea is just to you know take that gift, enormous blessing that was given to me, and pass it along to as many men as I can, as I can pass it to. So I'm talking with Justin Camp. Uh, He is the co-founder of Gather Ministries, the creator of the Wire Devotionals for Men. We're talking today specifically about his book, Odyssey, Encounter the God of Heaven and Escape the Surly Bonds of This World. Uh, It includes the biographies of, uh, of six, well, six biographies of these remarkable NASA astronauts. And so let me just tease uh, tease with this. Disney just unveiled yesterday an astronaut drama series from Leonardo DiCaprio that we're all looking forward to. We NASA is repainting their 12-story sign in anticipation of the, the next astronaut launch, human uh, space flight returning. We want to go to the moon. We want to go to Mars. SpaceX is working on stuff. We think we see videos of UFOs. Uh, it's a good time to be talking about space, not just space out there, um, but how we reconnect to the God of it all. So we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We'll be right back. All right, we want you to check out the wireformen.com site where you can Get the Wired Devotional. Um, if you're a, a guy and you want to connect with God um, on days that, you know, aren't Sunday, this is a this is a great place to do it, wireformen.com. Uh, Justin is, Camp is here. We're talking about the book Odyssey, um, but you could also check out the book Invention, um, which is really fun as well. All right, so uh, let's talk about specifically about Odyssey. Who are these guys and why is it such a great time to be talking about space? Yeah, yeah. So 
Uh, it is a great time. I mean, we're we're coming into a new space age, really. Um, uh, so it is a good time. So let me let me tell you about why astronauts. You know, we're talking about going on you know a sacred journey to meet God in the wilderness. Why are we talking about astronauts? And so. The reason is, I think it's a reflection of who I am. Um, you know, uh, you know, I am not a pastor. I'm somebody who worked in the in the business world for decades, um, and I speak in in the voice of somebody from the marketplace, not somebody from um, you know seminary and the pulpit. And it's just it's sort of just the way that my mind works to make these you know connections. And I also you know did it with a lot of intentionality. I think it's. Um, you know, something that can, can engage the curiosity and the interest of uh, of men, but also it, it, they're very inspiring. So these uh, six men came from the, the golden age of, of, you know, the mid-century space program, the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo uh, missions. And um, uh, they're just fascinating stories. I felt like, you know, what better? There was really only, there was really only one sort of angle to take with this book. What What better... Um, way to sort of make analogies and inspire men to undertake the greatest journey any person can take, which is to meet the the God of heaven face to face, um, but by using the greatest physical journey humans have ever taken, which is to um, to go into space and actually go all the all the way to the moon. And so I knew that underneath there were some great stories. All six men are believers, um, but all six men were human beings as well. You know, all of them had um, or, their stories are very relatable because they had, you know, struggles in, in life, struggles with relationships, um, struggles with success. And they were all, you know, um, held up as as, uh, you know, the, the largest heroes that you can imagine, um, you know, in a country that is that is dying for heroes. Um, and so. Um, so anyway, there's some really great stories in there, and I knew um, if I just did a little bit of uncovering, I would find them, and I did. And I think, I think, uh, I think, you know, we we were we were able to um, meet the objective of of one, you know, um, using these stories to uh, to teach, you know, some fundamental truths about uh, about relationships with God, and two, to you know, make it make it just a little more fun than than some of the books that are um, targeted towards men, the men of the church out there. All right, so uh, to give people a little bit of a window into uh, into this book, let me just tell you, this does not look like a book that was uh, that was written with a female audience in mind. I've never seen a schematic, an engineering schematic, uh, every few pages in a book that was you know sort of targeted toward women. Um, this approach that you have taken to include in here at the opening of every chapter. Pull out your pen and pencil or your phone and write a few sentences, you know, like, right, or or circle the number below to indicate, right, so these, like, I'm, I, you know, not so much to so much to not very, very like, you're, you are, um, this is an engaging book. It's not just a sit down and read through it book. Um, there are pictures from these missions. There are uh, direct, you know, quotes and uh, and pull quotes from the logs of these trips. Um, and there, there's, it's, it's, it's. I don't know how to describe how interactive this book is designed to be. And so, you know, I want to say um, thank you for producing a book that I think that my husband and my stepsons um, and my dad would enjoy engaging in. Like you're going to draw them in because it's not just um, a narr- you know, a narrative or a, a sort of, you know, point by point read from beginning to end. It is, it's intensely interactive. I really appreciated that. 
You know, thank you. I, I, that's about that's really nice of you to say. I, um, but uh, I mean, that was that was the intent. Um, I think my my role as a you know as a follower of Jesus and a person in the in His kingdom is to um, to make things practical. So um, I can take this you know amazing scholarship that's out there today, and you know stuff that has been accumulated over the past two thousand years. And distill that down to something that is accessible, one for men, and spoke, and I believe, you know, um, conveyed in a language that that is that is very comfortable to them, um, sort of the language of the marketplace, but but also, you know, very practical. I I I don't like, um, you know, uh, giving people, you know, some concept and then, and then them walking away without something to actually do. And, and that doing actually is really important because when you're dealing with God, that doing there, there's an exchange, whenever we do something, there's an exchange. And so that we get something back. And so that's the, that's the, um, uh, the intent of every chapter is to give every, every man at the end of your chapter, a gift, a gift of an encounter with God in some way and practices that they can continue for the rest of their lives so that they can live different kinds of lives. I mean, that's the, that's the whole intent of going on a journey is the, the coming home is as important as the going out and the, and actually just as important as the encounter. So coming home, we live differently when we've been out there, um, again, figuratively or literally, or, or a combination of the both, uh, of both, but we come back different men. And that's the idea. We come back with, you know, hearts on fire. So it's not just about doing these exercises. It's, you know, uh, the exercises are really important, but it's the change that happens in our hearts uh, when they come back. And I've, and I've already had, you know, I had a launch team of about 200 men. Um, and, um, you know, they were able to read through the book with me prior to the launch. And, and it was just phenomenal to see how these men in the midst of a global pandemic, no less, were able to just come alive. Um, and, um, you know, I've, I've gotten a ton of feedback from them, the experience of reading the book. And, and I do think it's something very different than the men of the church have, have, have experienced so far. Okay, so um, this is going to seem like a strange question maybe to end with. But um, it occurs to me that, like, you have great fans out there, like the director of Twitter, um, who is featured um, with a positive quote right there on wireformen.com. But you're not on Twitter. Can you Can you just – am I right? You're not on Twitter? Well, well so there. the wired – uh, so the Wire Devotional has a uh, presence on Twitter, not a huge presence, but we do have a presence on Twitter. So most of what we put out there is not about putting our name out there. I mean, I am, you know, my my name is on the books and, and my name is, you, you know, you can find bios of me. But mostly we are we are, um, you know, trying to stand back and let let Jesus be uh, in front. And so uh, when I you know, our presence on Twitter doesn't doesn't have, you know, necessarily my name in front of it. That's why I asked, because I like that about you. So thank you so much. This is Justin Camp. Uh, He is a writer. He has a heart for adventure, but mostly he has a heart for Jesus. And he wants you to know God better. So we want you to go and uh, check out the Wired devotional. You can sign up for it free, wiredformen.com. We'd love for you to check out this book series, Invention, was I think the first. Odyssey is now the second. Encounter the God of Heaven and Escape the Surly Bonds of This World. It's not just for men, but uh, but pretty much. All right. So, uh, Justin, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Just awesome spending time with you today. What a delight. What a delight. All right. We got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right. We just have a few seconds left. So let me just wish you a blessed 
blessed day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.